Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert Bohorkas. I'm one of the programmers for Nifty 2020, um, and I'm so excited. We've got a filmmaker here um, with, behind the film Godspeed that was in our Call Your Mother screening this year at the festival, um, and I'm excited to be talking about this film with her. Uh, Shade, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Shade Abiodun. I am 24 years old. I like long walks on the beach, and I make films. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't we, don't we all? Um, but yeah, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to get into the film. And so if we could start, do you want to give like kind of um, like a summary log line description of the film for, you know, people listening? Maybe they haven't seen it yet. And even if they have, you know, just kind of put some context behind it. Absolutely. Um, I would say that Godspeed is something of a visual poem that I created as um, an homage to the process of growing up, but also still staying one with oneself in the different phases and versions of uh, life that you go through. And it was inspired by a, a song that I am a huge fan of named Godspeed by Frank Ocean, it, which also in a lot of ways is sort of a uh, love letter to oneself and growing up and the like. So um, it's really about the passage of uh, life and identity from mother to daughter through different mm -hmm. phases of life and how we grow, but we still stay the same. Yeah, I love that. And so that kind of that that works that goes so well into some of the questions I had. So I'm excited to um, to ask some of them. And so I want to start with, you know, um, it is kind of this this phases of life exploration um, and specifically something that I loved about it was it's this really uplifting you know, it's just this powerful, emotionally resonant kind of like, you know, um, kind of communication of like the, the power and the responsibility of motherhood and like the, the way that that um, kind of flows through those phases of life. And so I'm curious a little bit about, you know, your inspiration as a director co coming from that angle and what you think like the importance of creating content that is specifically like uplifting and powerful in that way. Absolutely. I think... When I first sort of stumbled upon um, the idea of Godspeed, or when it really stumbled upon me and then stuck with me incessantly for a few months, um, I knew that I wanted to make a film that was very emotionally moving. Um, I didn't necessarily know what exactly the story was going to be. I didn't know mm -hmm. what message I wanted to send per se, but I knew that I wanted it to be something that everyone could... Um, see and feel parts of themselves in the story, um, yeah. whether that be uh, in relation to their own experiences and relationship with their mother, their own thoughts on kind of growing up and the challenges that they faced with that, um, whether it just be the nostalgia aspect of it, whether it be the, just the beauty of it and sort of it being about identity, being about personhood. And so I think that was definitely the most uh, consistent idea through the entire creative process where I said, I really want this to be something that moves people um, mm -hmm. and that they, they feel and they understand and they, they feel like it's a film for them as well as, if not necessarily about them, a film for them in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's just a really interesting, it's very interesting like thinking about the intention with which I went into making Godspeed with that, mm -hmm. but then also seeing that still sort of come out the back end because a lot of things changed along the way as happens when yeah. uh, working on a creative project. But I, I think that stuck and that's sort of been my favorite thing to hear from people that they really emotionally resonated with it. Yeah, how long of a process was it, you know, from, from idea for it to shooting? Like how long of a development process was that? 
it was a pretty long process. So I um, came up with the idea, or the idea first came to me, I would say February of 2019. Um, but okay. at that time, I was actually working a full-time job um, at my alma mater, doing research in the neuroscience department, and also preparing to apply to grad school and all these different things were going on. And so, and the entire time while I was working on the film actually from kind of pre-production all the way through post, I was fully employed. And so it was very much a negotiation of wanting to bring the pieces of the film together and, and you know, have that work, but also simultaneously really having to be sort of an expert at time management and a lot my resources yeah. as well. Um, and so it was sort of a venture all the way through the entire span of 2019 to take it from concept to execution. Um, and I, I'm actually very grateful for that. I think there are times at which I was like, oh, it's going so slowly. And I, it was also my first short film. That's very important. So I was yeah. learning along the way of, you know, how does one um, make a short film? How does one execute these ideas? Blase, blase. And I needed that time not only to actually apply these things that I was learning, but to continue learning um, simultaneously, so it was a 2019 venture for sure. <laughs> wow, that's 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 awesome. I mean, just that you know, it being even a first film, I think that you've you know, kind of you struck gold in the in the way that you kind of, I don't know, communicated a lot of like interesting themes and like and just thought provoking themes like in you know num number one. So um, yeah, I mean, just congrats on that. And I think probably the amount of time it took to do it probably definitely helped in you know, not feeling rushed or it not necessarily being like, you know, an assignment for school or something, which can be the point where you're just like, oh, I just got to get it done. So, um, yeah, I mean, congrats on that. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one other thing that kind of struck me, because we get we get a lot of films that are kind of like, um, you know, you mentioned visual poem. A lot of films are kind of like that um, or that are specifically like, hey, this is a dance film. Um, and there is this um, portion of it that eventually reveals itself to be kind of part of the world of the of the film but you know for the first like oh maybe half of the film um there's this this sequence that is you know just dance um and i'm curious about like the decision to include that because i think that it communicates a lot of different things when it's just kind of you know um call it interpretive dance, I guess, but then it becomes part of the story. And so, I mean, I'm curious about the decision to one, make it part of the story and two, to just include that as part of the movie, you know, in the first place as a part, cause there's kind of this, you know, birth, giving birth part of it. There's, there's lots of other parts that are very different from that. Absolutely. That's such a good question. I think the most honest answer that I can give is that Dance is beautiful to me. I uh, do not by any right consider myself a dancer. I'm not that well coordinated, but I think dance as a form of expression is something that I've always um, revered and just been very much enthralled by. And mm -hmm. I think, again, thinking about what I wanted the film to represent of being this emotionally moving piece, I thought of the different forms that a journey can take. So you have uh, sort of the birthing process as a journey, you know, mm -hmm. from like bringing life into the world. You have the process of doing one's hair as the mother and daughter, they're kind of going through this very intimate process of the mother doing her hair. That's also a journey it's, of itself. You have the process of in one phase of her life, um, the daughter getting baptized and that's a process. And I think sort of the most literal process or journey that you see happening is the dance routine because you go mm -hmm. from the beginning of the dance to the end of it. And I think that it was interesting sort of trying to frame it in a way that fits 
with the others in terms of like the way that they can be interpret at, interpreted as these journeys, whether they're um, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. But I think with dance, it it is sort of the intersection between all of those where you are, you know, mentally focused. It takes a lot of discipline to be going through this routine, but it's also a form of emotional expression, of spiritual expression. Um, and I thought a lot about how dance also with relation to beauty and blackness and sort of these concepts of like femininity and strength and, but delicacy simultaneously, it was just such a, wonderful way to bring those all together into this boiling pot. Um, and I think it worked really well along with other elements in the film uh, to sort of serve as this adhesive um, through the different scenes that you're moving from beat to beat, yes, but you're also moving from motion to motion. Um, mm -hmm. And it resolves, like that one, that's one of my favorite scenes to kind of see the resolution of because it's a breath of relief, but it's also just the completion of the dance itself. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you kind of brought in or mentioned that, you know, there's this kind of connective tissue that runs through the whole thing. And one of them, I think, is also the narration, which is kind of this, you know, this this uh, this prayer. Um, you know, it's very like, you know, religiously oriented. It's, it's this kind of, you know, conversation. Um, and I'm curious a little bit because I think that, you know, we think a lot um, when a lot of I think traditionally people picture this kind of patriarchal um, God, right? And then the, here's a film that's very about, you know, femininity and motherhood, as you said. And so um, we've also just seen, you know, um, this is just for the lack of maybe a better example, but, you know, we've got Ariana, Ariana Grande, God is a woman. You know, there's all this kind of conversation about, you know, what, how we as people actually like envision a higher power and so i'm curious if you're playing on that at all in this film too where you know we're talking about a god but we're seeing all these really you know evocative images of, of motherhood and, and femininity like was that was that an intention as well that is a very good question i think it was there like i definitely thought about it and i thought about the ways in which um really tapping into the the hoods, right? So the the womanhood, the blackness, the motherhood elements, mm -hmm. and how all of those are in themselves very uh, spiritual. I did think a lot about how in demonstrating the different forms that you know birth and death and life and transition take on that there was going to be this like sort of connotation of thinking of the higher power and the like kind of deity as a very feminine power mm -hmm. and i think that if anything the reason that i didn't i don't know like so i guess the tldr answer the summary answer would be i really wanted to leave that up to the audience's interpretation mm -hmm. because of course like anyone who's watching this film as i said would hopefully find something in the film for them and they would like be able to resonate with parts of it but you know i don't necessarily assume that people watching the film have the same experiences and the same upbringings and backgrounds so everyone's relationship with spirituality with faith with yeah. uh, motherhood with identity racial ethnic or even gender identity are not going to be monolithic or synonymous with one another and so i wanted it to almost be something that could be interpreted as needed to be for whoever was watching it and for mm -hmm. their journey their story um, but i do think there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about sort of the sacredness of a lot of these processes of of birth and of sort of um, beauty and the way that beauty becomes from this internal realization and, you know, all these, and just that performance is in itself a very, um, 
there's a lot around like femininity and performance and the like, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I initially had set out to make it sort of a, a film that tapped so deeply into feminist theory, but I think right. <laughs> again, like it's, it just it's a journey. Out, yeah. So there, it just came out. So there are <laughs> things that you also discover along the way. You're like, Oh, I can see that. I can see that for sure. But yeah, um, I wanted to leave it open-ended for sure. That's awesome. I mean, in, in, you know, uh, the development process that you also had, like, I mean, did you, were, were some of those realizations before you were shooting or was it kind of, you know, after everything's in the can, were you like finding that in the edit? I'm curious, just, you know, as that kind of developed, like as this wax ball started to come together, what, how, how that was as, you know, first time filmmaker even, but also just like, uh, it could, it, you know, view this as maybe giving advice to somebody who is also struggling to like, you know, put together the pickup sticks they have in front of them. You know, how did, how did that, if you want to talk about that a little bit, how it all came together? Absolutely. I will say that I think I found a lot of it in the edit. And the reason I say that is because even though at the beginning, I definitely had a concept of wanting to tell a nonlinear story of growth and of identity and of sort of this transformation of a character over different courses of her life mm-hmm. um there's such a difference between original intention and actual execution and what you discover along the way that you really can add into that to tell the story and to enrich it and i that's probably one of my favorite parts of what i got to learn along um, or amidst the creative process that one taking input from collaborators and taking input from just you know um the sources of inspiration around you allows mm-hmm. for this enriching of a story in ways that you absolutely could not picture when you originally put pen to paper and say, I'm going to make a short film about whatever. Yeah. Two, I think that I am just a huge fan of uh, leaning into and finding the small moments. And what I loved about just scouring the hours and hours and hours, did I mention hours of footage, <laughs> um, was that there were so many, many looks and motions and movements that even though I had no original idea or concept of those being the things that really hit the notes that I wanted them to, once I found them, I immediately knew that I wanted them to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a lot of ways, Godspeed was a Lego, like a Lego castle, because Mm -hmm. I had a blueprint at the beginning of like, okay, yeah, I'm envisioning this. I want it to look like this. But as the parts of it came together slowly but surely it became something that was so different but also just so much more than I could have originally imagined it being um from sort of uh finding the spoken word artist Noni Aguna who was the one who you hear narrating the poem that's spoken over it I loved by the way that you described it as a prayer it's like my favorite description ever um (laughs) and so finding her and getting her piece into that and it just fitting so well with what I'd envisioned sort of sonically following the visual narrative Um, from getting the music um, that you hear underneath the score and that also just really building and filling it in. Um, I think it really, yeah, like I just, I loved that. I I gave myself the space and flexibility to create something that was non-linear and that very non-linearity, while at times it was very chaotic, it was very stressful and overwhelming, Mm -hmm. um, was the very thing that allowed me to build it into what it needed to be rather than what I was, you know, so sure it had to be at the beginning i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah yeah totally um and i'm glad you mentioned also just like collaborating um and you know taking um 
you know, opinions, inspirations from, you know, things around you, because something else I wanted to definitely ask about was kind of um, the cinematography and the production design, because there's, it almost seemed like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, we've got these, it seemed very color-coded. It seemed like the, the giving birth scene was red, we had the dance was green, um, the, I think the haircutting was either blue or yellow, I know. I was looking for primary colors while I was watching. Um, and so I'm curious about, you know, the conversations with, you know, your folks working with you about doing that, or if that was something that you had pictured from the beginning, or if that was, you know, suggestion or how that came up, because it seemed, it definitely seemed intentional. Um, and I was very curious about it because, you know, I think it makes for a, just a really beautiful looking film too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that visually it was, so this was definitely one of the points at which I had to lean a lot into others' expertise and knowledge and sort of, um, practice, right? Because I, of course, had a concept, an idea that existed in my own like cerebral space and said, oh, I want it to feel this way. And I like kind of have this Mm -hmm. sort of vibe, but translating that into um, very practical, like, okay, so this is the grade that we're going to go with. And this is what we're going to do in terms of set design. And these are the types of like lighting choices, the locations that we want to look for. Um, That is one of I think the key skills that even as like a young emerging filmmaker that I want to hone in on, like really want to be able to learn Um, because translating from very much like abstract creative concept to something that you can not only share with your collaborators and sort of the people that you're working with, but then also translates with a lot of intention to an audience is so under like underspoken or Mm underemphasized as being important, but so necessary for just brilliant, intentional, and efficient, if we're being like very honest filmmaking. Um, And so I think with that, I had, again, I had ideas of the tone. I've talked a lot about tone and texture um, in a lot of the pre-production process and saying that, you know, I think of birth as a very raw process and I want it to be bathed in red. I really want us to feel and be immersed in the rawness of the moment, the intimacy, the vulnerability of it, but the the intensity, it is a very intense process in a lot of ways. And with the baptism scene, I want there to be white. I want it to be washed with natural light, of course, because you're kind of moving into this idea, this space of renewal and rebirth and blase, blase. Um, Mm -hmm. With the dance scene, what I loved with that actually, like that was what, that was actually the last scene that we shot. And um, we just like wandered into a dance studio that was on the campus of Duke University, which is uh, where I went to undergrad. And we weren't sure how we wanted to light it. And then I just said, wait, let's just shut off all the lights in the studio and just have her stand under the skylight. And we did that and perfect. It was just (laughs) chef's kiss. And yeah, and like, it was really great. Again, talking like sort of relating to what we were talking about before. The moments that were thought out like ahead of time, of course, and those that was very important and it was done with intention, but the moments that you found. And mm-hmm. also then thinking about, like when I was editing it, um, I thought a lot about, again, trying to have both a distinctness that was illustrated through each of the scenes, but also this cohesive theme so that you weren't completely and totally jarred as you were watching it. Like you, you want it to be linear as well as abstract and free form, but also very well structured and blase blase. And I think the colors playing off of one another, like the particular cuts and the ways that you transition from scene to scene were one of the ways that I wanted to 
give the audience the tools to interpret the story how they wanted to, but also know that I was treating them with the level of like respect and intellect that they deserved as consumers mm-hmm. of that piece. So yeah. it was, there was a lot of intention for sure, but also just a lot of moments that I subsequently was like, oh, that's perfect. That's, that's the one. <laughs> yes, this, this works yeah. so well. Um, and then I think also speaking to that too, there's a lot to be said about um, sort of the, there's another word other than maintenance, but the English language and I have a complicated relationship, so I cannot remember it. But just the idea that if you go into a project with a certain idea, um, you want to be flexible, of course, but you also really want to uh, give enough space and priority to maintaining your original intention. And mm-hmm. I think that there are like a lot of post-production things that there were points at which I said, oh, I guess I could settle for this, but really what I wanted to go for was this. And so it's mm-hmm. really important to push this and go for this. And especially as a young filmmaker, I felt pressure to make sure that I was being very amenable, very open to like feedback and the like, but also was really making sure that this first piece, which in a lot of way was my introduction into the filmmaking world, was representative of what I wanted it to be. And I yeah. think that comes through a lot in the color choices that comes through in, you know, the casting, the costumes and like um, all of those different things where I said, even though I'm an independent filmmaker, even though I'm doing this really at the behest or with so much help from the community around me, I need to make sure that it's saying and doing what I wanted to say and do. And that is super duper whooper important, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to preserve through the creative process. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's, one, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so to go back to kind of my question at, at the very beginning, that was kind of about, you know, the kind of, you know, this uplifting tone that we've got. Um, I'm also curious about just to hear from you a little bit about kind of the concept of black joy, because I think that's something that comes up so much now. And, you know, we're see we're starting to see movies kind of transcend this you know, uh, movies with, you know, diverse representation are, have to be these historical traumatic movies. Um, and I think we're finally getting past that. And I think this movie is one that um, helps to also just provide that kind of positive representation. And so I'm curious what you think the, you know, like the cultural, the representational significance of creating movies that show that, you know, that that joy and diversity and, you know, Things that don't have to be about the color of someone's skin. Absolutely. Um, I have been meditating a lot recently, and by recently I mean for the last three years, I guess, mm-hmm. um, on these this question of what is a black story, mm-hmm. and I think the reason that that comes to mind so much is because of exactly what you said that we're seeing this uptick in both sort of pieces and and references and like. Uh, concepts of developing and diversifying media, but also still trying to battle against falling into certain tropes and certain kind of like monolithic representations of black experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's hard because you want, of course, to make sure that you are presenting stories that don't just like aren't presented or depicted with rose tinted glasses on and that are yeah. accurate and that say like if this was a painful time in history then we have to show the pain and if the story was about struggle we have to show that struggle but it it speaks to exactly what we were saying before of like there's such an importance in not uh sort of writing anything off as a monolith and if you are going to give space for stories about struggle about um overcoming about resilience and perseverance you also need to give space to stories about joy and frivolity Mm -hmm. and just sort of understand that 
a black story is a story and it's not even like it's it's interesting too thinking about um what it means to have stories that aren't focused on like quote unquote the color of people's skin because of the fact that like if a person's experiences are going to be sort of inherently affected and uh sort of influenced by their identity then they're the two are sort of intrinsically linked Mm -hmm. however at the same time um like i think about this a lot for instance like not only now with my presence in the film world but also in the academic world and Mm -hmm. you know being um a black woman who is a scientist a black woman who is uh studying very like in an academic environment always and thinking about the fact that no matter how much I try to separate out my science and my art and my life, I will always and forever be known as a black scientist. I will always and forever be known as a black filmmaker. And therefore really what it means to diversify my perspective and other people's perspective on that is to illustrate the level of like multifaceted experiences that I operate through the world with. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think a lot about like a lot of the source material or the references that I turned to when prepping or kind of thinking of this film. And, you know, I absolutely, totally and completely am just like in love with all of Barry Jenkins' work um, and thinking about the way that you can tell a story that is deep and painful and, you know, cuts to the heart that also is laced with nuance and joy and beauty Mm -hmm. and color. Um, I think a lot about just like uh, the level to which I now have just been become or become more well acquainted over time with uh, Black filmmakers and creators who are telling, you know, like stories that are just so imbued with comedy, with with romance, with, you know, just absolute like chaos, with joy, yeah. like just th- this idea that if we're thinking about Black media, we need to put it in the same conversation with all the other sorts of sub bodies of media that exist already and understand that those can be Black stories as well. It's just about mm-hmm. giving them the space and the time and the intention and attention that they deserve. Yeah, I love I love that. Thank you so much. That's I mean that's you know some pearls of wisdom I think, um, and so yeah for. Um, since um, we mentioned it a couple of times and I saved it for the end because I think it's, um, you know, really interesting and great to talk about. I mean, you're also, you know, you're in grad school right now studying for a Ph.D. in neuroscience. Um, and so I'm curious what you think that kind of, you know, uh, multifaceted in your in your words, you know, what you think that those studies and that, you know, not just being a singular, you know, filmmaker, um how do you think that benefits you as a filmmaker? Because, you know, we see, um, and I'm not knocking anybody for doing this, but a lot of filmmakers are like, I'm going to go to film school and that's going to be the thing I do. Um, but I think that, you know, having multiple disciplines, um, you know, only serves to kind of, you know, uh, rising tide raises all boats. So I'm curious what you think, um, how, how you think that, you know, your science background, um, and also you're just, you're being busy also how that kind of helped, you know, help this film be what it was, how you think it'll help you in the future as a filmmaker, you know, what you think the value of that is. Absolutely. I mean, honestly and truly, shout out to all of my film school friends. Every 2.5 seconds, I have this moment where I'm like, should I drop out of grad school and go to film school instead? And I don't because my parents would come for me. Like they, they're already right. like, you were supposed to go to med school. I'm, this is a compromise for them. But, <laughs> um, I will say that I... I would not have been able to make Godspeed. Um, I would not be a filmmaker if I weren't first a neuroscientist. 
And the reason I say that is because so much of sort of the discipline, the practice, the um, intention with which with which I went into making Godspeed was informed by just the way that I move through the scientific method and like uh, think about working on academic projects and papers and also just like meditating on cognition and kind of the cognitive um, impact that stimuli and sort of experiences in the world around us have. And it's so weird talking about it and thinking about it now, the fact that my science career, like my trajectory as a neuroscientist and my trajectory as a filmmaker are like now and forever tied, um, not only because of the timing within which or during which Godspeed came to me conceptually and then I executed it, but also because at that same time and as I was applying to grad school, I really like was introduced to this concept of neurocinematics. So the neuroscience of film and understanding that there was actually a whole sort of very, very low key subdiscipline of cognitive mm -hmm. neuroscience where people were really interested in using visual media, like just narrative experiences and using those to understand more about memory, about perception, about emotion and the like. Wow. And I fell in love and was introduced to that subdiscipline while I was working on Godspeed. And it just was like the stars aligned. And I said, this is this is what I want to study. And so yeah. it's it's so wild. Like I literally am, you know, doing this PhD at Princeton, like going to be hopefully doing research and really understanding more about neurocinematics as I also am uh, like immersed in the film world, not working on any films right now, sadly, because, you know, grad school, but like really finding other really interesting and creative and innovative ways to engage in conversations between uh, just the most creative people I know and the most intellectual, intellectual people I know and realizing that a lot of the conversations we're having are the same ones and if they could like if everyone could just be in a room together and be talking we'll realize like we uh, like we're we're the biggest fans of each other mm -hmm. and so i yeah like i i truly owe my entire past present future filmmaking career and trajectory to my past present and future science trajectory um yeah. And I think a lot about, uh, I guess, yeah, this is this is an aside almost in a way, but even thinking about what I wanted Godspeed to be at the beginning, I thought of wanting it to be a very immersive like experience. I wanted it to be one that really hit on so many different sensory modalities. So you were consuming mm -hmm. something visually, but you were also consuming, consuming something sonically. You were being moved like in this direction of memory and perception. Like it made you think of nostalgic memories, but it also made you really think of who you are currently. And those are all things that I obviously didn't know how to tap into because of my filmmaking background. Those were things that I thought about in a lot of the scientific questions I'd been asking and answering. And so again, like Godspeed wouldn't have been the film it was if I hadn't thought a little bit about how the mind consumes visual media and wanted to sort of create a science experiment in that, which took the form of a short film. Yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, that's just like, that's just fascinating. That's so chewy for, you know, anybody that I think, for anybody, I, I was going to say like anybody in school, but I mean, people in life also, I think could, you know, that's some, some real like life lesson stuff that I think, you know, people would be, uh, would, should pay attention to. Um, well, as we are getting close to wrapping up here, um, I'm curious and I'm sure everybody else is too. 
Um, if you've got anything, you know, anything new that's in development that, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about. I know we, we know you're busy, but uh, maybe maybe there's another film on the way. <laughs> Great question. I wish there was another film on the way. It, it's going to come <laughs> soon. It's, it's very funny, like towards the end of my first semester of grad school, my form of procrastination was reading and writing screenplays. And so that yeah. was... <laughs> hilarious just like getting back into the practice of that but realizing that I really need to focus on getting a PhD right now but one thing yeah. that um, I'm really excited about that is currently kind of in the in the pipeline that is in production or in in progress is a podcast that I'm going to be editing um, called Neurocinema and it is mm -hmm. about neuroscience and film and you know that scratches at all the itches that I have yeah. and hopefully a lot of itches that also people in the film world have and also in the science world have um, and so definitely be on the lookout for that uh, the first episode should be coming anytime soon just like really wow. learning from experience like how making a podcast works and so being here today is also a lesson for me I'm taking notes as I'm answering these questions um, of course and yeah I think that'll be just a really cool space to have really awesome conversations and another um, another thing that's happening, actually, depending on when this episode comes out, it might have happened already, but hopefully it will be recorded. I will be guest lecturing as part of a, a series at the University of Connecticut School of Fine Arts on just radical Black performance. And I will be talking wow. about um, that, like the idea of Black performance as demonstrated through visual media. I'll get to be talking about Godspeed and some of my other sort of mini works that have happened before then and since then, but also in the lens of science and sort of visual representation and how we cognitively think about that. So really excited for that too. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're, we'll be looking forward to all of that, I think. Um, and so, yeah, where can people go to, you know, keep up to date with all this stuff that you've got going on and, and, you know, follow you and keep tabs on you on the internet? Absolutely. Just, you know, um, if you see me on the street, just give me a hug. I'm very tired all the time. But <laughs> Post -pandemic. Don't we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> the scientist said hugger during a pandemic. <laughs> You know, um, socially distanced encouragement, I guess. But <laughs> I, I have a website, which I semi keep up to date. It is www.shade.space. But of course, the spelling of my name is very confusing. So it's just S-A-D-E dot S-P-A-C-E. Mm -hmm. um, nice and short and succinct. So you can check out a lot of the stuff that I have been doing and will be doing there. Um, I also can be found on the Instagram. I'm not currently like active on Instagram. I took a little bit of a social media break. But um, if you just search up my name on Instagram, or on Twitter, you'll get to come across my science things, my film things, and a lot of meme things too. I, I'm always making a meme about something. So yes. that'll, that'll be fun for you too, hopefully. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk with us more about the film. We're so glad that it was part of the festival this year um, and uh, and that you made it. You know, We're excited to, to see more when there's more to be seen from you. Absolutely. And I'm honored to be here. I'm really honored the platform that you're giving to emerging filmmakers, to uh, people who are just in love with the process of consuming and creating film. It's really awesome all that you're doing. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2020, the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts from Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Partyfish Media. Partyfish Media.
Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.